What's up, everyone? This is Clawing Through History, presented by Bruins Diehards. I'm your host, Christian Renzi. And I'm RJ DeMello. This week, we talk about every top 10 pick the Bruins have had since 1972. You know, before we do anything else, it's good to see you again, Christian. How are you today? How was your week? Uh, it was, first of all, great to see you as well. Uh, my week has been pretty good. Uh, the weather is getting hot again. So it, this summer has been weird on the East Coast. Um, it's either raining and cold or really hot and humid. There's no in-between here. Sounds really fun. Sounds great. But yeah, the, but the week's been good. How, how about you? How's your week going? Good, you know, uh, can't complain that it's ending with uh, a Friday after early afternoon, uh, you know, hanging out with you and enjoying a beer. And we finally got rain for the first time in probably like two months. So congrats. Uh, that was great. Great feeling. You know, N- never have I wished for rain as much as I have this summer. So it's really funny. I wish we could give you some of ours. Because we have too seriously much. send it send it my way. Anybody at home uh, who has some rain, please feel free to send it to Portland, Oregon. We'll <laughs> gladly accept it. In other words, we call that water. Please send yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you What are you drinking today? All right. So I am drinking a Vermont beer. It's called Zero Gravity. They are out of Burlington, Vermont. Um, I've actually been there a couple times. They're attached to the American Flatbread Pizzeria in Burlington. Have you been there, RJ? I have not been. I've, I've been to Vermont and I, a bunch, and I've been to a lot of breweries in Vermont. I've never been to this one. Well, the best part of it is it's attached to that pizzeria, like I said, and they make wood-fired pizza that is just incredible. So I highly recommend going up there. Nothing like beer and pizza to put you to sleep. What are you drinking this week? Well, you know, since it's early afternoon here out in uh, Oregon, I had to keep it light. So I have a, a Czech-style Pilsner from uh, Wayfinder Brewing, which is right here in, in Portland, Oregon. So after deviating to California briefly once here, I'm back right in, uh, right in the city limits of Portland for, for this week. But uh, what's our topic this week? I know you said it off the top, but let's, uh, let's hear it again. All right. Yes. All right, Christian. So, um, you know, the NHL draft wasn't too long ago. And it got me thinking, you know, it got draft on the brain. And so each year there's like excitement uh, about what a player can be. You hear projections and get all worked up. Uh, and yet I kind of think there's beauty in the fact that like some greatly exceed the expectations, others meet them and, and others absolutely completely miss the expectations that have been applied to them. For sure. So uh, yeah, so this year we select uh, Fabian Liesel with the 21st pick in the first round and Suddenly, we, we both now know a bunch about an 18-year-old kid from Sweden who actually might never play an NHL game. But what I, from what I hear, uh, he's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure they said that about every one of these people <laughs> I'm about to talk about. And not all of them turn out to be pretty good. Well, I think about, too, uh, players like Patrice Bergeron, who went nowhere near the first round and turned out incredible. Or since you know I'm from New England, Tom Brady is the best example of that. So you never know. Yeah. No, absolutely. It is not a, a, a ticket to success by just being a first rounder, but you know, it's a decent odds because there's a lot of talent that goes in these first rounds over history. So, and those first round picks come with a lot of pressure. Like you're expected to succeed. You, you really like, yeah, you better make the NHL if you're a first round pick. Whereas if you're a last round pick, like, and you just play in the AHL, it's like, hey, good job, buddy. You know, like, right. So there's that different level of expectation that comes with it. And so it got me thinking. How have our first round picks like from the past turned out? And did they meet expectations, exceed them, fail them? Realizing that we really can't go through every single first round pick the Bruins have had uh, and in like an episode or multiple episodes of this podcast, I thought maybe we can up the ante, go with the people that are under even more pressure uh, to become that next big thing and look at top 10 picks. So like here we are. Top 10 picks from the Bruins in the NHL drafts. Now, 
if you're picking the top 10, you're expected to become a difference maker to star in the NHL, probably even more than difference maker. But uh, like as with any other pick though, there's, there's plenty of misses along the way. And man, did I find some in this, in researching this. So, uh, but when the draft first started, uh, Christian, there are only six teams. So uh, there wasn't exactly, it wasn't like today where if you're a top 10 pick, you're like, oh, you know, out of 30 picks for a top 10, that's big time. Like you could be in the second round and be a top 10 pick back then. Right. Uh, but also on top of that, at first, uh, when the draft first started in the 60s, the clubs, the, the NHL teams had direct affiliations with junior hockey teams. So you weren't getting your main talent from the draft. They were already in your junior team. The draft was for like the random stragglers who maybe slipped through the cracks and, and you wanted to bring into your organization. So if you look at the first years of the draft, no big names. So in other words, it's almost like the opposite of now. Now the best players come out of the draft, generally the undrafted players are not necessarily as good. Yeah, yeah. Where back then the talent pipeline came from within. You had your affiliated junior club that went to your affiliated minor league, whatever. Like, And so those players came up from within and you did not go draft them. And so uh, in part because of that and because... Uh, there just weren't that many picks as there weren't that many teams. Uh, that's how I decided on 1972. That is when the draft reached 16 picks. So now, you know, it's still the majority of the picks are top 10, but you're starting to get towards a number where a top, you know, you're, you're in the front two thirds of that first round. And it also, uh, was really a case where, Talent was starting to really come through the draft at that point. They ended the affiliation with the junior clubs. Talent had to kind of come through the draft. And so you start to see bigger names coming out. And so that's that's how we ended up in 1972. Does that sound good? Sounds great to me. That that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, makes total sense. We make our own rules, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now... It could have, it would have been easy to go like chronologically and like the oldest draft pick to the youngest or whatnot, but I didn't want to do it that way. Uh, today we're going to actually go by pick number in descending order. Okay. So like every number 10 pick that we've had, every ninth pick that we've had and so on until we get to our number one picks that we've had. Uh, and so Christian, you got a little like homework during this. I want you to write down these players, keep track of them. And like I offer up some stats and how they did. Uh, because at the end, I want you to sort of redraft or reorder our selections oh, from nice. best NHL player to worst of how we drafted. Okay, next week I had to step up my game here because you're doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it would be fun to like, you always see those like, if this draft was redone, how would it go? And so, so we do, uh, we, we play games of what if on this podcast. Yeah, and there's going to be plenty of that today because man, there's a lot of picks where... What if? What if? I can think of some already, but let's do it. <laughs> let's hop in. Okay. Actually, you know who's not on the list? Probably the best Bruins draft pick of all time when it comes to the value you got for the pick, at least. I'm not okay. saying best player ever. Best value for where they were selected. This person's not on the list, so they weren't a top 10 pick. They were deep in the draft somewhere, and we picked them up, and they turned out to be like a, a good player. I mean, the obvious one for me is who I said before, Patrice Bergeron. So he was like, what, a second round pick, I think, though? Second or third round. He was pretty far down. This person is much farther down in the draft. Much farther. Okay, uh, what uh, era are we talking about? Just a general era. Um, okay, so it was the 166th pick in the 1984 draft. 166 picks in the 1984 draft. 1984. Eighth round. Eighth round, 1984. Who played? Uh, uh, Adam Oates. I don't know. Don Sweeney. Don Sweeney. All right. Our current GM is probably like one of the best picks we've ever had in terms of value. We got him in the eighth round of that draft. Out of what school? Do you know? Oh, a school. Players went to college. Uh... He's American, first of all? Did I not know this? Uh, I don't think he's American, but he did go to a school in America. Uh, Okay. I'm going to guess either UVM or Michigan. Harvard. 
Don Sweeney played four years at Harvard, was drafted in the eighth round by the Boston Bruins, and went on to play 1,115 NHL games, 1,052 of those with the Boston Bruins. Wow. Poor guy had to play for Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Don Sweeney had a really long career. He was a really solid player. And so, like, best value, that's, you know, he he didn't pass other people that we drafted necessarily in points and whatever, but... If you're picking somebody in the eighth round and they give you a thousand games, great pick. Right. Who knew there were even eight rounds in the draft? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So yes, enough about the sleepers, and just let's let's dive in the top ten picks. All right. Um, funny enough, since 1972, we haven't ever had the tenth pick. Right, so we actually move right on to number nine. Number nine. Uh, <laughs> we've actually picked ninth two times in the past 49 years. Happen to uh, know either of them offhand? No, no idea. <laughs> okay, you should because one is Dougie Hamilton. So, wow. Dougie went ninth in the 2011 draft, uh, directly after Sean Couturier. Another great player. Yeah, the number one pick that year was Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I don't know. Was he worthy of the number one pick that year? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. He didn't exactly turn into, you know, you expect a number one pick to turn elite, and, right? And I believe that would be one of Edmonton's 20,000 first overall, overall picks they took in the uh, last decade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually will talk about another one later on in this episode. You know, it's funny. Dougie Hamilton is a great player. I don't know if he liked playing in Boston, but he's still a great player. Absolutely. He, he turned into a really, really good defenseman. He was a product of the Niagara Ice Dogs. When we picked him up, and he made his NHL debut for the Bruins on January 19th, 2013, against the New York Rangers. He's gone on, as you mentioned, to have a really solid career. He's amassed 607 games played. By the way, most of these numbers are are like totals are regular season games played. Okay. Uh, 607 games played, 341 points over the course of nine seasons. Wow. So I think that's a tip of the cap to uh, Peter Shirelli there. With yeah. a, a solid pick who, now he's not with the team still, but he's still you know performing at a high level and seems like he's going to have a pretty long career. What do you think? I, I mean, I just can't believe that it's already been 600 plus games for him. Like, I feel like he was drafted yesterday. Yeah. And I really like Dougie Hamilton as a player. I don't know much about his personality. He's kind of hated now in Boston. Um, I saw the Bruins play the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019, and the fans, they were, what's the word? Merciless? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah, that, that works. They were very mean to him. <laughs> he also got a number of penalties, which I think resulted in power play goals. So, but yes, but Dougie Hamilton is a great player. Okay. Uh, yeah, looking at the picks that were after him, you, you see some names you recognize, but... Um... You know, people that I don't think you could easily say are much better than Dougie Hamilton. You know, maybe similar level. You got like a a JT Miller is there. Um, Yeah, yeah, not any huge names that came after him. So Yeah, 2011. That's crazy. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So now for the other number nine pick, we go back to the summer of 1995. So Harry Sinden was in his 23rd year of being Bruins GM, and he decided to pick one Kyle McLaren. <laughs> Which we are familiar with him from episode one. That is correct. He's been in an episode of the podcast already. In uh, a quick aside, the number one pick that year was a guy by the name of Brian Berard, a defenseman from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, who played at the legendary Mount St. Charles. I am familiar. I remember that name very well. <laughs> Had to get the roadie mention in there. There's no other reason for that. He didn't have, like, an amazing NHL career. Just, you know, Rhode Island. Yeah. Wait, did you say he was a number one pick? Is that what you just yeah. said? Wow, I had no idea. Good for Mount St. Charles. He had some injuries. He had, like, an eye injury, I guess, I believe, if I remember reading. And so, like, you'll oh. see from this, luck is everything. In a player's career, but in the draft more so, it is complete luck. Well, I often say hockey is a game of luck. The puck can bounce either way. And you'll see that we've gotten lucky sometimes in the draft, and we've gotten terribly unlucky. Now, 
So McLaren was coming off a solid season for the Tacoma Rockets in the WHL. He's a big four. He's six foot four. He's over 200 pounds. He sort of fits that Bruins prototype, stereotype, whatever you want to call it, a big bruising forward. And Kyle went on to have a solid NHL career. He appeared in 719 games, racked up 207 points. Um, The only problem is, in my eyes, with the 11th pick in that same draft, the Dallas Stars selected someone by the name of Jerome McGinley. Who? (laughs) Yeah, you forget Jerome was drafted by Dallas, huh? Did he ever play a game there? Did not, no. He started with the Flames and was there until late in his career. He started to hop around to try to win something. Yep, I did a Clawing Through History video on Aginla and the crazy trade from the Flames to the Penguins, almost Bruins, at that time. Ooh, we got to check that one out as we just promo our past content here. I like that. <laughs> that is funny, though. I mean, I, I think Aginla would have been a better pick in that draft. Yes. And that's, you know, there's a fun what-if to play out, right? Like putting a Hall of Famer on the Bruins and seeing how things turn out differently. I mean, when he did come to Boston, he was older, but he was still really good for the Bruins. So imagine him in his prime on the Bruins. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a whole other, worthy of a whole other episode. But, like, by his third season, he was in a, like, a really becoming the Jerome McGinley we all know and, and reaching that level. And the Bruins were a playoff team that lost in the second round. Kyle McLaren that year scored, like, 20 points. Aginla had... I got it right here. Two, three, four times that. Uh, are we talking 1997? He had 50 points. We are talking points. about 90, 98, 99. 32 points for Aginla in 98, 90. Nope. Yes. Wait. Sorry. 51 points for Aginla in 98, 99. Compared to Kyle McLaren's 20-something points. 24. 24 points. So he basically would have doubled the offensive production there. So now in the playoffs, McLaren had three points. So, you know, you could play some interesting what ifs, but that's like a whole other show. That's, that's, that could, we could go down many a rabbit hole. So we'll leave it there. Okay. So we'll, we'll move on to our number eight picks. We've actually selected in that spot four times since 72. Uh, and that is the most of any slot in the top 10. And we have seen a, a, a very big variance in uh, degrees of success with our eighth picks in the draft. I'll just put it that way. All right. So we'll start on the not so great side of our number eight picks. First draft we'll look at is 2007. It's Peter Shirelli's second as Bruins GM. Patrick Kane goes number one that year. And it's a draft just loaded with talent. So we get on the clock, and we select center Zach Hamill. Oh, no. You actually may remember this guy because he played like 250 games with the P. Bruins over the years. Do you remember him? Of course I remember Zach Hamill. But yeah, I remember Zach Hamill pretty well. I think He had a few games up in Boston, right? Uh, the key word is a few <laughs> because uh, the fact that he played more than about like the fact that he played like 250 games for the Providence Bruins kind of tells you a little bit about maybe how his NHL career would go. Yep. Uh, which he sadly only appeared in the league 20 times, registering four points. Yeah, uh, I just think there's a lot of players. I mean, there's another example like when uh, Chris Bork played for Boston. He was not great, but then he would dominate down the AHL. There's so many players that can do so well in the American Hockey League, but it's obviously a totally different animal when you get up to the the big leagues yep absolutely so you know he uh was most recently playing in the german second division he kind of bounced around to ahl went overseas been playing there so he is in his uh 30s now but i think last season played in the german second division uh but this is another case of what could have been for the bruins players such as logan couture Ryan McDonough, Kevin Shattenkirk, and Mac and Max Pacioretty were all selected later on in that first round. So a lot of those players, the Bruins have been linked to over the years as well. I know Ryan McDonough. We were linked to him before he went to Tampa. Um, not Max Pacioretty. I don't think he would come here, uh, based off no. past history. 
Um, and then what was who was the last player you just said? There's Logan Couture. And there was one more. I Kevin think. Shattenkirk. Kevin Shattenkirk. We were linked to him like three, four trade deadlines in a row. Really? Yeah. Uh, never really panned out. Yeah. We should have just probably drafted one of them, huh? <laughs> yeah, we should have. Hindsight is twenty twenty is the theme of this podcast. I that's in my uh, script for later on in this episode. Oh, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> a spoiler. No, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's from one bus to another here, folks. Okay, so with our eighth pick from the 1996 draft, Harry Sinden, once again, he drafted a lot. He was there forever. Yep. Uh, he clearly had a type because he picked another six foot four guy weighing over 200 pounds, uh, defenseman Jonathan Aitken. Jonathan Atkin. Jonathan Aitken. A A A I T K E N. We mentioned him, I think, as well in the Cam Neely episode. Yes. And you'll notice uh, we, we talk about that a little bit later on as well. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so he was a product of the Medicine Hat Tigers of the Western Hockey League. Uh, and he ended up playing, I laugh because of Medicine Hat Tigers. It's that's a quite a name. That's, that's a fun name. Uh, he ended up playing in 44 NHL games and registering one point. Uh, to be fair nice. to Sinden, this does look like a pretty light draft with none of the top 20 picks that year making an all-star team. But still, uh, Marco Sturm, Danny Briere, they went later on in round one, while some guy named Zdeno Chara went 56th overall to the New York Islanders that year. It's funny, a couple, couple uh, future Bruins there, Sturm, Chara. That's right. Yeah. Briere, Briere was a solid player. He played for a long exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get some good people out there. But yeah, there was, there's, no, there's no talent from that draft that came out and you're like, you know, it seemed like a weak draft. Yeah. Basically. Would, would I know who the first overall pick was? Is it someone we know? The number one pick was Chris Phillips. I think I know that name. <laughs> number two was Andre Jujin. Ah, of course. Number three, Jean-Pierre Dumont. Ah, French-Canadians. Yeah, you, nobody that made an all-star team until Marco Sturm, Danny Briere. Then you got Chara, Tom Poti in round three, Mark Parrish. But, yeah, Pavel Kubina, round six. No, I'm sorry, round seven. And then Tomas Caberle, round eight. The man that never shot the puck. <laughs> I think that's enough of the doom and gloom. But we've actually selected some pretty good players at number eight. Uh, and one of those being good old Sergei Samsonov. My guy. Yes. And we will talk more about the 97 draft later, as we did have the number one pick that year. But for now, we will stick with uh, just talking about Sergei. Uh, he came highly touted after a stellar season with the Detroit Vipers of the IHL. He flew out of the gates in the NHL. He won the Calder Trophy for Best Rookie in 97 98. Uh, but after a few really good years, including a 75 pointer in 2000 2001, his production began to fall off. By the end of his career, he played in nearly 900 regular season games while racking up 571 points. Uh, despite the quality career, one has to wish the Bees went with the 12th pick in that draft, now Hall of Famer Marion Hosa. Oh, man. All right, funny story about Marion Hosa, and you probably know this. Hosa was with the Penguins in 08 in the Stanley Cup final. He loses to the Red Wings. The next year, 09, he goes to the Red Wings, is back in the Stanley Cup final, and he loses to the Penguins. <laughs> That's what you get for not being loyal, Hosa. Yeah, a case where, you know, we got a really good player for us that, you know, he's good for a while. 75 points is a really good total for a year, and but yeah, you take the Hall of Famer instead, right? Yeah. But at first, it looks like it worked out. I mean, Calder winner, Sergei Samsonov. I had no idea that him and Hosa were the same age. He, right, exactly. Well, yeah, I know Sergei was really was a teenager. I don't know how old Hosa was in that draft, but similar age at the very least, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, so more on the 97 draft later, but... To finish up with our number eight picks of all time, or since 1972, our final selection from the number eight spot is a Bruin legend and Hockey Hall of Famer. Do you have any guesses 
who we picked number eight, who is now in the Hall of Fame. In the 19... You want a, you want a decade? You want a year range? What do you want? Uh, yeah, a decade. Let's do a decade. Make it harder. He was picked in the 1970s. Ray Bork. All right. There you go, <laughs> <buddy>. <laughs> I knew I'd get one eventually. Yes, the one and only Raymond Bork was selected by the Bruins eighth overall in the 1979 draft. Colorado Avalanche legend, Mr. Raymond Bork. <laughs> so this one was interesting. Now, there's, there's a few different stories out there about how the Bruins came to select the future Hall of Famer. And so Harry Sinden claims he wanted Bork, but the scouts would have rather defenseman Keith Brown. Um, other stories you find about the draft act, uh, actually claim that even Sinden rathered Brown and that the Bruins just stumbled upon Bork. <laughs> so the, what ended up happening, the Blackhawks took Keith Brown with a seventh pick. So it made things much easier because the scouts wanted Brown, but then he was off the board. The story goes that well, according to Sinden, he wanted Bork, and so when it came to that pick, they're you know they went with Bork, and the rest is history. Other places say that on draft night the Bruins were scrambling because they wanted Keith Brown. He goes the pick before, and they're shit. Who do we pick? And they're scrambling. Whatever. They're on the phone. They I think they even took like a pause or something apparently, and then they drafted Ray Bork, and so it. Depending on who you believe, they might not. They almost didn't draft Ray. They almost, they kind of panicked maybe and and picked Ray and hoped it worked out. And so they panicked, drafted one of the greatest defensemen in the history of the game. According to one account of the evening um, on the internet, written by a, a journalist in Canada from 2012, yes, they wow. panicked into picking Ray Borg. Is this sorry? Is this 78 or 79? 79. 79. Let's say Bobby Orr never gets hurt. They'd play a few seasons together. That'd be unbelievable. Because I think Bobby Orr retired in 78 from Chicago, and, and he was young. I don't know if he was, like, even 30 yet. If he does what a lot of defensemen do and plays into their, like, late 30s and stuff, we could have had, like, the mid-80s with Bobby Orr and, and Ray Borg. I mean, if he is, like, Chara, he would have been playing when you were born. That is true. Yes, he would have been playing when I was born. You know, because you're significantly older than me. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm a very old man. Yes, <laughs> that's crazy though. A, a panic, a panic pick turns into Ray Bork. Oh man, yeah. Bork, of course. You know, he still holds records for most goals, assists, points by a defenseman. Brown went on to have a very solid NHL career. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, way better than you or I or could ever be, right? I'm not trashing yeah. it, but nothing like one of the greatest Bruins to ever play the game. So we win that one. I think so. <laughs> All right. You got everything written down, you know, you know, you know the picks oh, so my far. Oh, God, I totally forgot about that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be the Bruins. You're going to panic draft people. This is unbelievable. We are now on to our only pick at number seven. Uh, which this player actually has the distinction of having the shortest NHL career on the list, sadly. Poor guy. So the year was 2000, and the player was Lars Janssen of Sweden. So we haven't always drafted good Swedes. The defenseman actually never played a game for the Bruins and only amassed eight total NHL games with the Flyers in the 06-07 season. Now, if we had an earlier pick in that draft, we could have wound up with Rick DiPietro. Danny Heatley, Marion Gabrick, or Scott Hartnell. But while those guys were off the board at seven, another Swede was left on the board until the seventh round that year. Henrik Lundqvist huh. went with the 205th pick in that draft. Wow, 205. That's crazy. Right? It shows, like, you just don't know. Like, nobody valued him above that, right? Like, I don't know. Well, you know the story of DiPietro, right? So DiPietro, I believe, was drafted... Was he drafted first overall that year? I think he was number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, he was one. And I believe... I, this is correct, what I'm saying, I believe. <laughs> that when he was uh, an Islander, Mike Milbury was GM, they gave DiPietro a 15-year contract. Yes. Which may have 
just expired or might still be going, but DiPietro hasn't played in years. So the DiPietro thing didn't work out in the end. In 2006, the team signed him to a groundbreaking 15-year contract. But uh, beginning in 2008, uh, a string of injuries limited him to 50 NHL appearances over the next five seasons. You know how dumb it is to sign a goalie for a 15-year contract? Yeah. Or any player, really? As a result of the buyout, they bought out his contract in 2013. As the result of the buyout, the Islanders will continue to pay him $1.5 million until the end of the 2028-29 season. That's unbelievable. I think that was, that was Mike Milbury, right? I think that was his doing. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's hilarious. But, yeah, there's Lars Janssen, who in 2000, that's another pick uh, by Harry Sinden. This guy. This guy, this guy, uh, his name comes up a lot, and there's a lot of interesting, you know, they sort of stumble upon Bork. We've had a bunch of like, sort of uh, busts so far. Otherwise, maybe, you know, take Dougie Hamilton and Sergey aside. But, um, yeah, we got an interesting little draft record so far here. Uh, yeah, think- Lars Janssen, he, he played mostly just in Sweden, stayed there, tried the NHL briefly, didn't work out, back to Sweden. He's, that's it, so... On to the sixth pick, which is another one we've only had once, and it was actually all the way back in 1973. The Bruins selected a center from the Quebec Remparts named Andre Savard, no relation to Mark, and he uh, went on to play in actually nearly 800 regular season NHL games, Wow! but only three of those seasons were with the black and gold, so uh, he made really his career elsewhere, but just two picks after us uh, that draft, the Canadians took... Bob Gainey, who went on to win the Selkie four times and the Stanley Cup five times on his way to a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So another case where very solid pick that didn't necessarily return too much for the Bruins, but very close after them is somebody who just on a different level. Yeah, I think Bergeron might have just tied the Selkie wins with Bob Gainey. Okay. So now we're finally getting to the huge prizes here, the top five picks. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I think what we'll see from when we're looking at the top five picks, it's a lot easier in most drafts to identify that really top talent, the first few picks, than what comes after that. So there's been a lot of hit and miss later on in these, you know, sort of six through ten. That starts to change a little bit when we see one through five here. So... Uh, the Bees only had number five once since 1972, and they used it to select Phil Kessel in 2006. All right. Hot dog Phil Kessel. <laughs> and it, it was like truly just stacked with talent. The top five picks in order were Eric Johnson, Jordan Stahl, Jonathan Taves, Nicholas Backstrom, Phil Kessel. No misses there. No. So, uh, as, we, as we're aware, and uh, many listening, if there's anybody that actually listens to this, uh, Kessel has produced a very good NHL career. He, we're talking over 1,100 regular season games, over 900 points. Uh, he's also picked up two Stanley Cups along the way, uh, just with Pittsburgh and not the Bruins. So he played three seasons with the team uh, before he was traded to Toronto for a first-round pick in 2010, which turned into someone we're going to talk about shortly. I think I know who it is, but I won't spoil it. Thank you. A second-round pick in 2010 and a first-round pick in 2011. We talked about him earlier, uh, Dougie Hamilton. You know, I didn't realize, too, he was only here for three seasons. It felt like longer. Yeah, but I think he's kind of similar to Hamilton, where I don't think he loved playing here. Hmm. I don't think he loved Toronto either, because I hear, I hear like their media up there is yes, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, he won with Pittsburgh, and then I think he's with uh, Arizona now, right? Arizona. Coyotes? Yes. Yep. He's with Arizona now. He's still going. Still going. Still good. Yeah. He he'll end up with you know more than a thousand points in regular regular season points, you know, in his career. And so like a really, really good NHL career, a really good number five pick. Um, but actually what happened in the 06 draft outside of the Kessel selection was actually more 
uh, important to the Bruins of the past 10 or 15 years. On draft day, we traded Andrew Raycroft to Toronto for Tuka Rask. And we selected Brad Marchand in the third round that year. Yep, okay. Um, question. There, before Shirelli was technically drafting, we had Jeff Gorton as our acting GM, and he basically drafted all of our good players. He drafted Lucic, and I believe he drafted Marchand. I don't think Shirelli was making those picks. So they list Je- they list Jeff Corton as interim GM from yep. March to May of '06, mm-hmm. and then the '06 draft was held in June of '06. Okay. Now, was he still heavily involved? Maybe. I um. Oh, see, now this says interim general manager until July of '06. So, yep. When you go to his actual page, so yes, this was Jeff Corton making these moves in 06 draft. Yep. So Phil Kessel. So yeah, if I talk about Shirelli, please delete that. But uh, so yeah, this was shout out to Jeff Gordon for drafting Phil Kessel, Milan Lucic, Brad, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and at the same time trading Raycroft for Tukarask. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is going to come up again in a future episode, by the way. Stay mm-hmm. tuned. I like this. So, uh, oddly enough, we haven't had the fourth pick once since 1972. So, uh, we just move right on to our only selection at the number three spot in the draft. And for that, we go back to the summer of 1987, Christian. Uh, You Mm -hmm. will definitely not remember it. Nor will I. We both weren't born. Nope. So, we were coming off of a season where we had actually made the playoffs, but lucky for us, we had a first-round pick courtesy of... Vancouver. You know why. I think I know who this is. Yeah, you better. Because it was from the Cam Neely uh, trade. And so with it, we selected a pod favorite, Glenn Wesley. Mr. Glenn Wesley, who literally just stopped playing like in 2006 or seven or whatever, right? Yeah, I think 2000, yeah, 2006 or seven, yeah. I said just stopped playing. Stopped playing a while ago, but... Still had a very long career. Yes, like 20, 21 years. Uh, I say pod favorite because I think he's now been mentioned in every episode of the podcast. <laughs> like he, he just is always somehow finding his way into Bruins history. We won a cup with Carolina, not with us. Yes. Now, Wesley was coming off of some stellar seasons for the Portland Winterhawks of the WHL, my now local team. Uh, and he made an immediate contribution in 87-88, scoring some crucial goals in our Stanley Cup run that ended by being swept by Edmonton in the finals, where we talked about the blackout from that Stanley Cup finals. It's all coming episode. together now. There we go. Uh, he went to the finals with us again in 1990. So he didn't win one with us, but he was part of those last teams that really got there until we did it in 2011. Uh, but he was ultimately traded to the Hartford Whalers for three picks that turned into, and we know this from uh, the Cam Neely trade tree episode here, those three picks turned into Kyle McLaren, Jonathan Aitken, and Sergei Samsonov. It's great that this all comes together. So, on the one hand, like... It's overall, in terms of just what the player did, it's a great pick by the Bruins. Wesley played nearly 1,500 regular season games over the course of his 20-plus year career. He finally won a cup with Carolina in 2006. Uh, but do we love what we got in the trade? I don't know. You know, we ended up drafting guys that, two guys that played seven to 800 NHL games and then a guy that barely, you know, didn't really even play in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Samsonov for the nostalgia factor. Uh, was in the long run, he didn't make a huge impact on the franchise. I think if I was a different age, I probably wouldn't even really remember him that well. Right. So. Well, let's play another fun game of what if. Uh, yes. Now, Wesley, of course, is a great pick at number three for what his career turned into. But do we perhaps wish that we had taken Joe Sackick with that pick instead of letting him fall to Quebec at 15? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 
not only because he's a good player, also he's now GM of the Avalanche, who are an amazing team. So there we go. <laughs> I like that. That's the long view. Yep. You know, all we're seeing from this podcast is that hindsight is absolutely twenty twenty. Yes. And there's a lot of talent that's been left on that draft board after we've picked in the top ten. Okay, so we're nearing the end. We are almost there. Up next is our only selection at number two. It is the person we uh, mentioned earlier that was a result of uh, the trade of Phil Kessel. Tyler Sagan. Who? Bruins fans, you'll no doubt uh, remember you know, this pick and the ensuing season after it going on to win the, the Stanley Cup. Now, this year, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Christian, but there was like this two-horse race from the prospects about who would go number one. Do you remember this? Well, I know who it is. Right. I, I believe he plays for us. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It was a debate on who would go number one and who was a better prospect, and it was between Tyler Sagan and current Bruins left winger Taylor Hall. So it was essentially, it seemed like whoever the Oilers took number one, the Bruins would just take the other guy. Simple. So Hall goes number one, Sagan becomes a Bruin. Now, uh, Tyler was, of course, part of that Stanley Cup winning team in 2011, as well as the Cup losing team in 2013. He was traded after that season and some drama in the press, as I remember it, over some off-ice things and whatnot. So yep. uh, he has turned into like a 70 to 80 point a season player in Dallas. And as long as he can remain healthy or get back to full health, I know he's had some injuries recently. It looks like he's on his way to having a stellar career when it's all said and done. So like... You, you made the right pick in that equation. One, he, he's a, a stellar player. You know, two, there was two clear top prospects. You ha- you're going to take one of the two of those, right? Like, yeah, simple as that. So, um, um, and even, you know, you could argue Taylor Hall has had, a, like, he's had a 90-plus uh, point season, which Sagan hasn't had, but Sagan's done it more consistently. Sagan year after year has done 70 or 80 consistently whereas Hall's kind of had more fluctuation so um you know we'll let that one continue to play out there's still some years left on both of their legs so we'll see how it ends up all right let me just say this I remember when Sagan was traded July 4th I remember being 4th of July 2013 they uh, a few months or weeks later whatever they had the behind the b episode come out where it was all those guys in the room, all the Bruins management discussing Sagan and wondering, like, should they trade this guy? Like, is he going to be this great player? Yes. The answer was yes. And they decided <laughs> to trade him. They're so dumb. I, I it, was, <laughs> it drives me insane that they traded him. Yeah. It feels like classic Bruins, like, does he work hard defensively or something? But it's like, well, if he gets 80 points a season, I don't like. You can't just replace that. I don't know. No, and I have to believe... I mean, also, sure, maybe he had off-ice issues, but he was like 19, 20 years old at the time. Yeah. He seems like a pretty good guy now. I I don't know. I don't think Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy want him gone. This is like Julian, Shirelli, Neely, these guys that were like more defensive-minded maybe. I don't know. But we should not have traded that guy. We have nobody left from that trade currently on our roster. And Louis Erickson is in Vancouver, I think, still. Or maybe he's somewhere else now. But he just never really panned out either. So, I don't know. That, that drives me crazy to this day. <laughs> I love it. I love, the, I love getting that emotion out of it. Yeah, it was Louis Erickson, uh, Joe Morrow, Riley Smith. He ended up being good, but then he went to Las Vegas, right? Yeah, he's a good player. He is. So, not, not the best trade there in the end, it seems. All right, Christian, we have made it. We are at our two number one picks all time since, well, since 1972. You know one of them. I do. But I don't think you're going to know the first one we talk about. Probably not. I, well, you'll know him, 
I don't think you'll know that he was a number one pick. Uh, we're going back to the 1982 NHL draft. The Bruins are picking number one. There's some big name prospects on the board. But once again, our man Harry Sinden, <laughs> he's sold on somebody. He's sold on a young defenseman. He's six foot four. What is it with Sinden and six foot four guys? He likes big, tough bruisers. Big Bad Bruins hockey. His name's Gord Kluzak. Okay. Who is a Nesson or was a Nesson analyst for many years. I don't know if he still is because I haven't been able to see too much of Nesson studio coverage. But for a long time, he was a Bruins like studio and analyst and even might have did some uh, color commentary and whatnot uh, up there in Boston. He went number one. And unfortunately was plagued by knee injuries. So he did not have uh, the NHL career that was expected of him. He ended up playing 300 regular season games, uh, getting 123 points. He basically played four seasons for the Bruins. um, And one of them being where we went to the Stanley Cup in 87-88. Uh, so he had a good playoffs that time. And then from there, he barely played. He had three games in 88-89, eight games in 89-90, two games in 90-91. His knee just went, it was done. Uh, and so he had to retire. And really sad, you know, it would be interesting to see how he how he fully panned out if he had a good full run at it. Uh, but obviously, in hindsight, again, you don't pick him number one. I always wonder with injuries like that if they had played in like a more modern era, if they could have gotten you know the treatment and better surgery, time. better yeah. Like Bob Orr is the best example of that, but who knows? Yeah, great question, great point. Um, yeah, looking back on that draft, you you kind of look at some of the names. You got three hockey Hall of Famers in the first round with Scott Stevens, Phil Housley, and Dave Anderchuk. You know. In that hindsight, you probably wish you picked one of them uh, with number one. But, um, you know, again, luck comes in and plays a factor. Hold up really quick. Um, Dave Anderchuk ended up playing for us in the 99-2000 season. <laughs> Always a Bruins connection, baby. I love so we it. Got him. <laughs> he won a we got him. We got him in the Bay. end. He won a couple of Tampa Bay in 04. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, Gord, Gord Kluzak out of the Billings Bighorns of the WHL. These names are ridiculous in these minor league teams. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, his hometown is Climax, Saskatchewan. <laughs> nice. uh, so, that is our first number one pick. That's that's more of the... I don't want to call it a bust because it was one of those like really unlucky, but... You know, just didn't pan out the way a number one pick you you would hope for. The next one, in the end, I think we can say certainly has. Uh, Christian, our other number one pick that the Bruins had? I think it's Mr. Joe Thornton. That is correct. You know it. Mr. Joe Thornton, the number one pick in the 1997 NHL draft. Still going strong. Still playing. Uh, He's... 42 years old and six foot four. <laughs> so another Harry Sinden draft pick who's six foot four. This is unbelievable. He's like six foot three. Get out of here. Six yeah. foot four. That's what I want. It's only six foot four up. <laughs> unbelievable. Um, <laughs> man. So Bruins have the number one pick that year. In addition to the number eight pick, which was Sergei Samsonov. Uh, and it is an absolutely stacked draft. Like, Unbelievable names. So number one is Joe Thornton with us, obviously. Number two is Patrick Marlowe. Number three Still is Oli Okunin. Number four is Roberto Luongo. Then we've got Eric Brewer at five. Samsonov goes at eight. Nick Boynton goes at number nine. A Bruin. Yes. And then you had Marion Hossa, who's already in the Hall of Fame at 12. So uh, like the first five picks of that draft are, are big time. Uh, big time names. And isn't Marlowe still playing or did he just retire? 
he is still playing, I believe. Uh, he's gone back and forth between the Sharks, and then he, like Thornton, had a brief stint in Toronto and Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he went to Toronto, back to San Jose, to Pittsburgh, to San Jose. I actually uh, saw... This is nothing to do with Patrick Marlowe. We're just talking about old players. I think... Ch- maybe actually Marlowe is included in this. Chara is one of the only players left who has played against Wayne Gretzky. I guess Marlowe's in that list too, and Thornton. Yeah, wow. Pretty cool. I like that. That's, uh, yeah, when did Gretzky finally retire? 99? Yeah. Huh, ironic. His number's 99. Yeah. So we're, we're running out of time for the people that played with the great one there. Yep. Now... Joe Thornton, as, as we've talked about on this podcast before, you know, he starts off a little sluggish in his first season with the Bruins, 55 games in the regular season, seven points. Start to wonder, oh, crap, do we, do we miss on this kid? But it only gets better from there. 41 points the next year, 60, 71, 68. And then in 02-03, he hits 101 points. And that's like when Joe Thornton becomes the Joe Thornton that we've seen pretty much ever since. Yep. And so he's with the Bruins. He gets traded. We've talked about that trade before. Um, goes to San Jose, and he racks up 92 points, 114, 96. Uh, and he has just kept going. And so now in the end, regular season, he has played 1,680 hockey games. Wow. It's crazy. Scored 1,529 points. <laughs> That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this guy is absolutely a Hall of Famer. As soon as he hangs up the skates, he is in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, it's it's pretty interesting because we've been playing the what-if game about if you drafted somebody else uh, for, mo- for a lot of these drafts. So we should do it with this one, too, just for the due diligence. Patrick Marlowe, who went number two. Uh, he's played in nearly 1,800 regular season games and scored just about 1,200 points in the NHL. A lot of those with Thornton, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, you have really two guys at the top of the draft board there that you would have been happy, I, I think, picking either one of them with what they've turned into and produced in the NHL. Uh, but really... That's one where we've 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 covered a, uh, a decent amount of misses in our first round history. This was definitely uh, a great pick by the Bruins, number one in nineteen ninety seven, Joe Thornton. Yes, for sure. So, Christian, that is all of our top ten picks since nineteen seventy two. I think it's thirteen names, but fact check me if you have a different amount there. I have thirteen. Okay. So we've had 13 top 10 picks. We've gone through them all. And now I need you to draft them again. Okay. With your first pick of your Bruins top 10 picks, who are you drafting? What's that little like thing they play at the draft? Uh, is it the NFL draft where they like... The little like jingle when they, the pick <laughs> yeah. is in? Yeah. I don't think they do that in the NHL. But... Uh, I am going uh, with the first pick in the uh, fantasy clawing through history draft. I select Raymond Bork. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, you you got to do it, right? Oh. Probably greatest defenseman of all time, Hall of Famer, Bruins legend who played here. How, how do you not go with Ray? I don't know. You think he's the best defenseman of all time? Because I think he's not even the best defenseman in Bruins history. <laughs> well, okay. Statistically. If he's got most goals, most assists, points, like yeah, that's that's true. You know, you can you can do the eyeball test, but I'm gonna just go with the numbers here and say you're a numbers man. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. All about the data. All right. I respect. All right. Number two. Okay. Number two for the number two pick in the Clonk History Draft. I'm gonna go with Joe Thornton, number two. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You got to do it right. Longevity. Yeah points hall of famer and he's winning a cup with us all right so so number three all right this where it gets a little tougher i feel like those were the easy ones um, right those are the two like two of the 13 that are like big time hits we did great with our top 10 pick amazing now it gets into more like let me ask you a question though are, 
are we so in this world they're in their prime no injuries right um what i'm what i'm thinking is like based off of how they perform in their career and you're gonna you're a gm and you know how they're gonna perform over the next five ten years like who do you want on your team um but yeah, yeah, I also will accept any reasoning. So if you're like, this person had one of the best seasons of all time, and other than that was hurt, but like I would take him in his prime, so I want him, I'm, I'm fine with that. So however you want to do it. I'm going to go, this is tough, but I'm going to go with Phil Kessel at number three. I'm going with Phil, Phil Kessel. Kessel. <laughs> I think he, he doesn't seem to get hurt very often. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's consistent, great player. The most in shape the most out of shape looking in shape guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> hey, that's a skill in and of itself right there. Exactly. So Phil Kessel, number three. Okay. And if we're talking long- longevity, I'm saying that right? Longevity? Longevity? Longevity. Uh, for number four, we're going to go with uh, Glenn Wesley, our man Glenn Wesley. There you number go. Four. Friend of the friend of the pod who we've friend never talked pod. to or met, but <laughs> someday, let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Num- yeah. M- number five, we're going with Tyler Sagan. There you go. Yep. I don't disagree with you at all yet. I- I'm with you. Oh, good. I feel like I'm getting the easy ones out of the way. All right. Uh, number six, we are going to go with Dougie Hamilton. Oh, teach number, me how to Dougie. Okay. Number six, Dougie Hamilton. Ahead of Sergey. Yeah, because we're talking uh, longer career, more consistent player. I'm also not taking into account their position. Uh, so. Yeah, you don't got to care. You know, pick all centers, you know, whatever. All right, cool. It's a fantasy team. I don't care. Number seven. Let's see, number seven. I got to go with Samsonoff, I guess. Number seven. <laughs> Yeah, you're starting to get into – it's going to start really thinning out after this. It is. Number eight, we're going to go with Kyle McLaren, I guess. <laughs> Number eight. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just marking these down here. Number nine, we will go with um, not great picks left. All right, let's do uh, Andre Savard. Why not? Let's draft him at number nine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> go with the 70s get. Yeah. Number nine. Savard. He had a decent career. He played for a while at least, you know? Yeah. Number 10, we're going with Gord Kluzak. Is that how I say it? Is that right? Yeah, Gord Kluzak, yeah. All right, Gord Kluzak number 10. He looked 10. to be, like, he, he was a really, he was a good defender until he really got hurt, so would be a... Before the knees would be a very solid defenseman on your team. We're taking before the knees. Number 11. Uh, We're going with Atkin. Mr. Atkin. Okay. And why? Because Zach Hamill and Lars Janssen are left. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go with him. At 11, we're going to take Zach Hamill at 12. And unfortunately, Lars will go last at 13. Because what would you say? He played, like, no time in the NHL, so. Yeah, like eight games. Okay, so, yeah, you going back through that kind of, you know, kind of realize that there's, like, three three very clear busts, right? Yes, and then there's three very clear wins. Yeah. Bork, three or four, probably. Uh, four, probably, yeah. Bork, Thornton. Kessel, Sagan, Hamilton, those are all great. And Wesley, you know, like Wesley. that dude. So, not so doom and gloom in the end, you know, you definitely, we definitely had some misses, but especially, like, I think, as I alluded to, if, as you get into that top five, you really start to, like, it makes your job easier, it seems. Yeah. It's just funny, though, like, you think about the players who are now the best players on the Bruins. Marshan, Bergeron, Pasta. I mean, none of them went in top five. McAvoy didn't go in top five. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. They're all like second and third round. Or like Pasta was a late first round, right? 25th Pasta, or something. And I think, I think McAvoy was a first round pick too. 
let's see here. If I recall. Um, Pasta was 25th overall in 2014. Yep. McAvoy is 14th overall in 2016. If there is a player that this is not top 10 pick, but I always think about the 2015 draft where we drafted three players in a row. I think it was uh, DeBrusque, Shanison, and Zaboral. Maybe those were the three players in a row. Um, and below that was Matt Barzell, who is an elite player. So, again, what Man, if? another uh, another what could have been. I Wow, I totally spaced on that fact from 2015 that we had three picks in a row. Yeah, that's a big one. Well, this is great. This is a really cool topic. You know, we can do another one where we just talk about, like, best Bruins draft picks of all time because you've got uh, you got a lot of people going uh, pretty far down the list here, pretty far down in the rounds in the, in the pick number who had very good careers. So maybe yep. we can do that uh, in the future. Love it. That is it for this week's episode of Clawing Through History. Now, don't forget to subscribe, drop a rating, you know, wherever you get your podcast, help us out. You can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at clawing through hist. That's at clawing, T-H-R-U-H-I-S-T. Do you have an idea for an episode? Drop us a line at clawingthroughhistory at gmail.com. This show is produced and written by Christian Renzi and RJ DeMello. It's edited by Christian, so he officially does more work than I do. Our theme music is by Strip Mall, and uh, until next time, go Bruins.